Hey, how's everyone doing? Today's podcast brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial, audibletrial.com forward slash IMLH life. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. The IMLH show from Indie Music lives here on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you have a dream, if you have something that you're compelled to do and you know that it's your destiny, then you can't let that drove shit drive It is another episode of the I Am A Late Show. Appreciate everyone coming along. iTunes, SoundCloud, Podbean, and of course, IamLHLife.com. Joining us, we've got Ascent, a female-fronted alternative rock duo that is captivating us here in Southern California by producing the sound of a full band with only two members, with gritty guitar, propulsive rhythms, and a commanding melodic vocal that equals a new, undefinable sound. We've got Bruce and Christina Baldwin hanging out with us by Skype. Thank you guys so much for your time. Hi there. If you were just explaining the music that you guys make to somebody on the street, how would you go about that? (laughs) Well, we try to say we don't think we sound like anybody. We are a duo. Um, I play all the instruments. Christina does all the singing. Um, We play live um, through live looping so that we sound like a full band. Um, when we play live, so we're pretty interesting. We're I'm like a stupid human trick. <laughs> She's got this great uh, kind of bluesy voice, uh, rock voice. Um, the band uh, we used to be kind of acoustic, and over time we've gotten harder and harder and harder uh, to where our our live sound is pretty heavy, pretty guitar heavy. I guess I would say got some electronics in it. Um, we we have some progressive rock in it in us. We have some sort of I guess grunge uh, style rock, some like you know uh, '90s style Seattle rock in With us. With a little bit of pop sensibility for accessibility yeah. because I my background is more in the pop rock arena where his is more prog rock. So we kind of try to bring the two together. So it's like accessible prog rock. We hope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I think Ascent is is the culmination of two people really passionate about music. Um, one person who can't play instruments to save her life, that'd be me. And the other person who plays too many instruments to be anything human. Um, so I think it it's a really nice pairing of two people with... It's interestingly very different musical tastes that come together to make what we hope is a very strong and kind of undefinable, confusing, but amazing sound that people will really relate to. That's what we hope. How long have you guys been doing this? Obviously, same last name. We'll get into that uh, conversation here in just a little bit. But um, how long have you guys been performing together um, as a duo? Oh, as a duo, I'd say <laughs> almost 20 years. If you can believe that. If you can believe that, almost 20 years. Um, we actually, historically, um, we were a five-piece band. I auditioned for his band. 
Bruce, that is, um, back in the day, 20 years ago. And strangely enough, they picked me, uh, somebody who had never auditioned for a band before. Um, I just got tired of talking about wanting to be a musician and wanting to make music. And I decided I just needed to do something or just stop talking about it. So uh, that was the first time I reached out and, and did a, an audition, which he'll tell you was an arduous process for them. But we found each other and sadly, that <laughs> big band quickly fell apart uh, for so many reasons. Uh, a lot, couple of them going through a divorce. So it was really hard on them. They had kids. And then the musical directions just seemed to change. But the whole time we were doing that, we were also doing duo on the side, doing acoustic stuff. So we were kind of <laughs> able to do everything. So 20 years, um, a very, you know, obviously a very fortuitous audition um, in many ways, in life and music and love, <laughs> obviously. Um, and here we are 20 years later. And it's funny because we're harder than ever um, and louder and more in your face than I think ever before. Yeah, I like to say I think the current incarnation of us is sort of a somewhat heavier rock band. It, it's probably like maybe five years that we've been doing mm -hmm. this. We spent a long time not really sure how to present ourselves, I think, because mm -hmm. we were trying to do the acoustic coffee house thing. Uh, we love writing songs. I love writing, um, you know, um, really, you know, loved his songwriting. And so it was a good way to present the songwriting, but it wasn't getting us any traction. Um, so we figured out a way to really present ourselves and present our music um, live with the, the live looping and, and uh, so I think of the current version of us is is the Mach three or something. It is, yeah. <laughs> What made it progress from what you guys were doing before, uh, very much like the soft rock coffeehouse style, to what it is now? I think there's a couple of things, and I'll start because I think one of the things that we struggled with when we were doing our acoustic shows is then Bruce would record all of the instruments and it would sound like a full band. Well, that confused our audiences who wanted to buy our album, right? They like, well, we thought we bought this quiet coffee shop, you know, band, and we got a, not a not really loud, I guess. Kind of a, a, like you said, kind of a softer but prog rock, you know, album. And so we said, well, we now can't make records that don't replicate what we sound like live because that was confusing. But then we got tired of just being one dimensional. We wanted to be able to express ourselves more fully and wholly. Yeah, I love arranging music. When I hear these songs in my head, they're big and they've got a lot of parts, a lot of stuff going on. It was just trying to find a way to present it and do it. And I just had this this brainstorm one day, like, well, why don't I just try and, and loop some parts and, and play some drums and loop that and play some guitar and loop that and try and build up the song and make it sound bigger. Um, and it, it really worked for us. You know, it's it took a lot of practice. Um, but once we had that together, I think it, it was just natural that uh, the music got a little darker, it got a little heavier, it got a little bit more guitar dominated, or the, rather I should say the guitar kind of keeping up with, with Christina, um, because I think she's still the main focus of the music. I'm loud, for sure. <laughs> um, I'm loud, and I, I've always had a very big love of rock. Um, 
the, the pop part of, of me growing up was just the, the what you can access, the stuff that you can sing with. So something that was accessible, but I've always had a thing for heavy rock. I mean, I really, you know, I was a Motley Crue fan and a, and a Metallica fan and a White Snake fan. I know, don't get upset, honey. Um, <laughs> I was all, you know, I liked all that stuff, but because what dominated my childhood was kind of the pop rock, that's kind of what I knew. And then everything started blowing up for me. So I do, and Heart is a huge influence for us. So Ann Wilson is a goddess, and um, I wish to God I could sing like her, but I can't. So I sing like me as hard as I can. <laughs> but then also we have to, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the guitars that came into our life not too long ago that really That's pushed true. us a little further. So, yeah, I think I think getting some new instruments changed things around. I, I used to be playing a, a Guild Bluesburg guitar, which is a beautiful guitar, but it has this very sweet tone. Super sweet. It's very hard to be aggressive on that guitar. I'm, I'm sure it's possible, but, um, you know, one day I just thought, oh, I'm just going to buy a new guitar on eBay, and, and I bought this uh, Paul Reed Smith uh, PRS. Um, it's the was the Tremonti version, um, and it just has this aggressive, dirty sound yeah, to it's it. Dirty, I love and it. As soon as we applied that to our songs, they just they it clicked in. The sound clicked in. Um, so now we are like PRS guitar aficionados, and <laughs> have a, a couple of them now for our live shows. And um, the the tone of that guitar just changed the game for us. And I think it was what we may have been missing, but didn't know we were missing. Because we kept trying to change the sound of the guild, and it was just so pretty and so sweet, and we're just like, no, something's off. And even if you distort it, it still was clean, just still pretty. too clean and too pretty. So happily, Bruce is living out his Black Sabbath dreams now. <laughs> <laughs> After all this time, he's just been wanting to do that, and now that's where we are. So I think the guitars help too, but it it feels like a very natural progression um, from where we were to here. And obviously, as I've known Bruce, he's introduced me to a lot of different music, a lot of, you know, uh, Stephen Wilson, you know, we both love Muse, you know, going way back, King Crimson, yes, the old Genesis with Peter Gabriel. So some of that, you know, that I didn't, I wasn't aware of that he kind of introduced me to has changed what I like and what I want to communicate to the world too. Um, So I think that has also helped to help us help us evolve along with our childhood loves Bruce of what, like uh, Judas Priest and, <laughs> and Black Sabbath and obviously Led Zeppelin and those kinds of things. So I think all of that together, you're finally seeing us continuously progressing as influenced by, you know, our, our obviously our heroes and music continues to progress, but then just new instruments, new songs that are have more, <laughs> we always have heartbreaking songs, kind of, they have a pretty, um, you know, it's a pretty tough theme so I think all of that has led us to where we are follow us on the gram at Indie Music Lives Here
Christina and Bruce Baldwin hanging out with us, otherwise known as Ascent. They're online at ascent.rocks. That is A-S-C-E-N-T dot rocks. Hopefully we don't have to spell rocks for the <laughs> audience. Um, um, also online on Instagram at Ascent Rocks. You can check out the website for other social media as well. So talk about working together, um, not only as a duo musically, but also being in a relationship and the balance between what you guys do musically and also balancing that with day-to-day life. Well, (laughs) we've been... um Together, we fell in love pretty quick. I'll be honest, I fell in love with him and I pursued him. Um, And if I want it, I'm going to get it. So I did. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And uh, so I think that that started to blossom right away just because of who he is as a person. But then, you know, obviously we clicked with the art um, and we've been married now for almost 12 years. Yeah. So, um, you know, a married band that rocks, there's either some some. you know, I guess there's a lack of mystery there, right? Because <laughs> we're married. Um, but I think at the same time, you know, people remark on our, our chemistry and, and it's a real chemistry and it's something that you can't fake and something that I think isn't, doesn't exist for a lot of bands. They may vibe on stage, but they don't have that chemistry. I mean, we connect on stage in a very deep way. We've spent hours and hours writing the music, creating it, bringing it to where it is, obviously rehearsing it. So I think, I think it makes for a richer experience live. Um, you know, in that way. And I, so I think from a live perspective that I will let you talk, I promise. Um, I think it, it, uh, I think it helps. And I think it's not as hard as it sounds because we have so much respect for each other as artists and as people that I think it makes it a lot easier than some would think. But, you know, I think also if we didn't have a good marriage, it would be different. Um, but we do, I, we have a really great marriage built on respect and love and support. And so we support each other. So I think it just works. Yeah. I was just going to add to that. I think that the fact that we have that foundation means we can push each other really hard with the music, um, (laughs) and still, and still kind of survive, you know, that, um, I, I push her with the, the, melodies and and where the you know how high i force her to sing and that kind of thing um she pushes me to say no that's you know that song's not ready you know but that's not what i expect i need this and that and and it's not easy and and we bring each other to tears and all that stuff but (laughs) but we survive it because we do have that foundation i think if we didn't the band would have split up a long time ago and it always makes us better i think that's the thing too is if you came out of it and you weren't better and it didn't produce something that we could be proud of i think it would be different but when we push each other we always go i'm so glad you did that i'm so glad you said that yeah it sucked in the moment but thank god you said that because it wasn't ready or it wasn't good enough or you know all that kind of stuff so i i think it's the basis for any any band being a good band or being healthy is a healthy relationship no matter what kind that is so i think that's fortunately thank god what we have and we work hard at it so in 
being a couple, talk about the songwriting processes that you guys share because you co-write songs together. Um, do you guys basically work in tandem on every song or do you guys separate the two and then basically show each other um, basically what you've done separately and kind of work out the kinks? Speak to us about when it comes time to put pen to pad, how you guys are able to do that as a duo and in the relationship that you guys have. Well, I think part of that mutual relationship is also knowing our limitations. And as a, as a, a, if I can call myself, which I do, a musician, I am limited as to, I'm not a songwriter. I'm a lyricist and I can sing, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't know if I'm a good singer. I try really hard is all I can say. And it's my heart, but Bruce is the songwriter. He's, he's got the melodies in his head. I don't have that. Sometimes I have lyrics. So really if I, and I'm going to stop because in a minute here, cause he really is, is the backbone of this. I present him with lyrics and then he um, makes them into songs and then, sh- you know, shares his thoughts with me. And sometimes it depends on the song. I'll say, that's not what I have in mind. Now, I don't know what I have in mind because I can't <laughs> communicate it, but I know that's not it. So that's, that makes it tough. But otherwise, other than me handing him lyrics and, and then me, um, he'll share the melody with me. And then I, I mess with the melody. I tweak the melody because that's what I do and make it my own. Um, and add my flourishes, if you will. But really, I have to hand it over to Bruce because he really is the the mastermind behind all of that. Well, I would just say, uh, yeah, Christina gives me the lyrics uh, for many of the songs, and I'm I have been writing music for so long, and I'm I'm fortunate enough or unfortunate enough that when I read the lyrics, it puts a melody into my head most of the time. Um, so much so that it, it can be hard if the melody sucks um, <laughs> to get a different melody for those same words. Because then when I look at those words, I think of that melody. But usually I, I'll start with the melody that, that came into my head when I read the words and I will just try and 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 fit something around it, a guitar riff or a chord sequence. Um, and that usually that, that implies like the next part. It kind of builds itself, you know. You hear a lot of people who've been writing music forever and ever say, oh, well, I don't write the music. It just it downloads to me from whatever they think, you know, from the cosmos, from God, from whatever. I think it's just it's repetition and the way your mind works. Um, it, it just assembles itself out of that seed, that kernel of an idea. Christina's words bring the kernel of the idea. And it, it kind of um, I guess in my subconscious, it just it builds itself up and poof, here's your song. Uh, then the hard part begins. Like I said, if the song sucks um, or it isn't all <laughs> that, that does, it could be, it's yeah. hammering away at that construction and making it into something better. Absolutely. I do think, though, that you agree that 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 ability to do that comes from somewhere. You feel like it's downloaded. Too, yeah, don't you? it you feel feels like magical. It, yeah, it feels magical. It's so pretty awesome. I want to make sure that he, he didn't say he wasn't communicating. It seemed like he might have been that he disagreed with that. I think he feels the same no, way. A lot I, of I, I prolific songwriters, <laughs> I think, feel that way, that it just it gets magic. It comes to them and they don't know where, why or how, but it it kind of does. I don't have that. <laughs> so <laughs> so I don't know what that is, but I can tell that it's a 
a very powerful force and it's something he can't control. He'll wake up with melodies in his head. Um, you know, when he's doing normal things, he'll have a melody. He'll tell me, yeah, I've got this idea for this song. I wrote a couple lyrics today. And then in a day or two, it's a fully formed song. Join the show, MP3, or a link with a press kit to IMLH Life at IMLHlife.com. favorite podcast to smoke out with the IMLH show 
from Indie Music Lives Here. For you, the listeners of the IMLH show, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out the service. As of late, I've been feeling the need to be inspired. Like, now's the time. The IMLH life finally going to become something. We're going to make something of not only the show, but also ourselves. So I've been listening to Crush It. Why now is the time to cash in on your passion by Gary Vaynerchuk. And that's just one of 180,000 titles you can choose from. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash IMLH life. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash IMLH life for your free audiobook. Ascent hanging out with us. You can catch them uh, the 1st of June, night of June 1st in San Clemente at Knuckleheads. So your guys' live performance, um, speak to us about that because your music has a few different layers to that. Uh, speak to us about uh, translating that um, that element, those layers to a stage show and the challenge of doing that with only two people. Yeah, it's a little unorthodox to be sure. I have this humongous pedal board uh, sometimes when I'm rolling it in, people, oh, is that a big keyboard or something? Nope, um, it's a giant pedal board. Uh, <laughs> we call it BESI. Uh, it's an acronym that stands for the Baldwin Elite System of Synchronized Integrated Electronics. Damn, uh, damn, that's a, that's a hell of an acronym, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but the heart of that is a, is a, a pedal that's called, uh, it's a Boss RC50. It's a looping station that lets me record live up to three loops um, and, and layer on top of those loops, have them play either at the same time or independently uh, at different times, bring parts in, take parts out. Um, I play uh, an electronic drum that's called a Roland Hand Sonic. Um, it has drum kit sounds in it, which is uh, most of the drum kit sounds that are in it are sounds that I put in it. Um, but it, I can also add samples of sound effects, uh, voices, uh, sounds around our house that I record and, and put it all in there. So I, I play typically, you know, start by playing a drum part on that hand sonic. I play a few bars and loop it. Uh, I'll play a guitar part, um, loop that. I'll play a little bass line um, and loop that. Some of the songs have um, where I'm triggering notes from pedals at my feet. Uh, the, they're, they're notes that are in the, uh, the hand sonic, but like an individual bass note. So it's a lot of work. Some of it feels like if I, if I had to explain how I think about it to you, it's like math, because I'm thinking about how things are overlapping with each other. It's like, well, that's three repetitions and that's six repetitions. So that fits with that. And when I hit this, it'll start and stop at the right time. Um, but that's the kind of stuff that keeps me entertained and keeps me off the streets. Um, <laughs> um, and then I love building all that stuff and just shredding away on the guitar over top of it. Uh, which Christina gets bored with sometimes, but that's okay because I think because you know, well, add some drama. It does add drama. <laughs> well, just because you know, I'm I'm standing there, you know, looking engaged and rocking out and trying to connect with the audience. But now we're going to introduce um, a chaosolator, which is a synthesizer that I can play while he's doing these these incredibly long, super incredible. complicated, amazing. <laughs> hey, I said it's super. I did say that. <laughs> 
complicated and amazing. <laughs> um, while he's doing these solos, I can also add some layers and add, you know, some some excitement in a different way that also I think challenges Bruce in different ways too, because I'm playing different things and it's never the same thing. Um, but yeah, I just sing. <laughs> <laughs> everything else and I pretty much just sing and try it's to just a hard job. try to connect with the audience and try to bring them along on the journey whatever whether it's sad or well let me just let's just break it down it's pretty sad most of them but <laughs> 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 it's you know and it's not because we're sad it's just it's it's what you see you know it's what you experience and I have a lot of friends and and people around me that are going through some very difficult times or it could be something it could be a movie that triggers it the abduction of Jane Doe is triggered by a movie that I saw that was just brutal and and I don't know why I wrote a song about it and it's one of people's favorite songs that we play but it's uh, it's interesting so my whole job is to connect with people not that Bruce doesn't but to connect with people and bring them along the journey you know by being you know by emoting and and just trying to connect with them and bring them with me and sing to them at them <laughs> that kind of thing and from hearing your guys's work, I took a second earlier today. I heard the the single that you guys sent me earlier on in the week, um, but I took a, a little bit of time to listen through um, what's available on your guys's Reverb Nation page, and just from being able to kind of hear the different things, I could only imagine that you guys just must be exhausted after a live show because there's just <laughs> a lot of shit going on. Yes, we are. Oh, yes. Yes. And, and proof of that is we had a show night before last and we come and we're like, why are we so fucking tired? <laughs> what in the hell is wrong with us? But man, we were just like, we had nothing left because they think, you know, the important part is you leave it on the stage, you know, and you leave all of that stuff, all that work, all that whatever, the stress and the freaking out about it. And is this going to go off the rails? You know, because it's pretty easy for what Bruce is doing to go off the rails because it's all live. There's no track. So by the end of the night, because we're all kind of on, I think we're on the needles like, is this going to get fucked up? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. Hooray. Or even if it does mess up, can we make it so no one knows that it messes up? Which we do a lot. If it messes up, I'm like, I just look at him and he's like, don't sing yet. And I'm like, all right, I'm waiting. <laughs> and then I'll just... I'm like, now? And he's like, now. And then we just come around and make it look like, hey, we meant to do all that, even though we were off the rails. That's the joy of it, I think, is that it's it's not pre-recorded. It's not like some bands nowadays just hit a hit a backing track. And, you know, we do not do that at all. Um, so a lot of it has to be improvised. It has to be fixed on the spot. Um, it, it, it's more, it's much more of a live thing than even bands, full bands present to you sometimes. So I think that is exhausting. It's mentally draining. Um, it's physically draining. And yeah, we, we, we leave it on the, on the stage, like Christina said. Because we, every show, and I know a lot of bands say this, but if you ever come to watch us, which we hope you do, um, you'll see that it is the most arena-sized bar show you'll ever see. Because we are just... You know, we just we have to leave it all out there. Lots of our favorite, um, you know, influences and artists, they do the same thing. And we don't care if we're playing to one person, you know, or 30 people or a thousand people or 10,000 people someday. Um, we uh, we're going to give it a hundred thousand percent. So every show is obviously different and and 
you know, just as emotional and just as complete as any other show. So it doesn't matter if we're playing coffee houses or bars or wherever, we're going to give it 100,000% every time. And if you guys could speak to us about the communication that comes with knowing each other uh, for a long period of time professionally, but also um, living in the same household as well. Is there kind of a silent communication? What cues do you guys use um, on stage to basically... Give the other person to know exactly what you're thinking sometimes without saying anything. You have like the best questions because this is the funniest thing. Sometimes I'm not even lying. I'm just going to put out like, what the fuck's happening? I'll just, <laughs> I'll just quietly look like I'm like rocking near him. I'm like, hey, what's going on? What are you doing? And He's he, good at the evil glare. Because yeah, <laughs> I don't know what the hell to do. I'm like, okay, am I singing? No, I'm not singing. No, yes, not, no, no, not now. Um, so I'm like, what do you so I do I give him a look and he smiles at me and I'm like okay some shit's going down because if he smiles at me I know that he's like oh shit and if he's not smiling at me I'm like oh god I missed something because he's in the he's in the zone but if he smiles at me and usually sadly if we're smiling at each other on stage we're like oh shit we just say that or that just went crazy or, oh, my God, I hope no one noticed that. Um, we try not to do that, but it just cracks us up. We're like, what just happened? Um, Mostly it's just, you know, sideways glances and, yeah. and, and laughing and stuff. Yeah. You know, I think we we understand each other when we're playing, you know, like like nobody else, I think, in, in that the smallest things uh, we notice, you know, and she knows I'm going to notice if she sings two words wrong or right. whatever. And she will look at me out of the corner of her eye and, and, and we'll both laugh, you know, yeah, and I don't I'm think like, anybody oh, is going <laughs> to notice that or know that, but I think that's, <laughs> that's part of the fun of, of being this close. Yeah. As we, we laugh at each other, we laugh with each other and then we get off and I'm like, Oh my God. And he's like, I know, right. What the hell? And then we talk about what happened. We have the postmortem where we're like, okay, so look, I was in the zone and I totally messed up those words, which made me think I was in the, third verse and I was only in the first verse I'm so sorry but I was like connecting with this person he's like that's cool well that's why I, I went again and I went around again and then brought you back with me I'm like thank god you did that I'm so sorry and you know and, and it's the same where I'm like what the hell was that and he's like well look I hit the wrong pedal and then I had to you know blah 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 and I'm like well shit someone's gotta let me know what's going on he's like that's why I came back around I'm like did I sing in the right place when you came back around I said yes I'm like okay good so we just want to make sure that we you know kind of have that post him to understand what happened can i help him did i screw him up because i know if i sing the wrong he could think we're in the third verse right because i just <laughs> made him go there you know so i look at him like oh shit i'm sorry no no, no i know i was wrong stay where you are <laughs> so uh but you know we kind of have to make it kind of look like nothing happened but we do kind of smile at each other when we mess up so now we just told everyone our secret yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys shared your tell with everyone that's right. <laughs> so what are your guys' thoughts on how music is now? Because you guys um, saw it in the day of, of physical copies and people actually purchasing um, copies of physical albums, um, CDs um, to... I don't know how far you guys go back technology wise, but I'm assuming 20 years and me being 32, I was, yeah, about tape, CDs, stuff like that, um, to where we find ourselves now, where the majority of people are using streaming services. Talk to us a little bit about how 
those philosophies have changed your guys' mindsets as musicians in terms of distribution and how you guys go about it now? Well, I will say we really miss the fact that people were in love with the packaging because we're we love the packaging not only of vinyl but then of their cd you know that was the joy of getting a new cd or a new album is to see what the art was what was inside what did it look like you know did it have the lyrics what was it going to be and a coherent package right. that, that presents the music and, and gives you or the imagery. theme yeah so we really missed that so we were definitely i i would say you know uh people who were doing that till um, this album. We're not gonna do that this time because it, things have changed so dramatically from our last release. We have way too many CDs left over from our last release because people wanna buy it online. And during that time you could do both. So some people still wanna buy it, but now even having a CD player in your car is like a crazy, like, oh, what's like putting an eight track in your car now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so <laughs> knowing that that's the case, we, you know, we may make a few digipacks for people who really are diehard. They wanna, you know, have a little pack packaging but you know really it is all about online and just presenting the best music we can online without that packaging um, and using maybe more imagery more videos. photos more videos right we're doing lyric videos more um, those kinds of things to communicate our you know maybe our theme or our thoughts on things instead of you know the actual packaging the thing is there's so much competition in music it, it's the market is just saturated with bands and songs and music and you have to kind of grab people by the throat a little bit to get their attention and say hey you know so i think we're able to do that live with with our you know unorthodox presentation like you said but i think um as far as online videos help a lot and yes. I, you know i think when we get the videos up then then we kind of get people's attention to say well what am i looking at and then people listen to the song um, a lot of bands are doing that we're doing that too I think most bands that are really passionate about being creative and, and, and getting their ideas across, they're just struggling to try to find a way to, to break through the, the noise um, so that somebody listens to it for more than 30 seconds, you know? So um, that's the downside. The good side is everybody can make a, a really good, uh, great sounding uh, song nowadays and, and get it out and you just share it with the whole world the next day. Uh, we love that and we're, we're taking advantage of that. But I will say to your point, it's hard to get people to listen to new music. This, which is why we love, um, you know, podcasts like this, because the people that listen to your podcast and obviously you yourself are is somebody who's passionate about new music. And that's what's really hard, because, of course, we all love our old standards. Right. I mean, any day we can put on Zeppelin and we're totally in there's any, there's no day we're not in. But if you say, oh, OK, well, instead of Zeppelin, listen to this new band, a lot of people would be like, no, I just want my Zeppelin. That's what I know. That's what I like. So it's trying to get people to listen to your music and trying to find people other than your family and friends, you know, to give it a minute and a half, give it 30 seconds, let it hit you. So I think that's the difficult part. Um, but then I think that's also the amazing part because like Bruce just mentioned, anyone can make music. And I do think, and I just mentioned this recently that it makes us have to uh, step up our game because every single track has to be amazing. Um, there are no throwaway tracks. And I said, you know, there are no, there are no, there's nothing that you can put, you can't put something mediocre out and hope for the best. You have to put the best you have out every time because it is make it or break it on that track at that moment. So I do think it's making for better music 
And I think it's making us think twice about, well, is this good enough to put out to the world tomorrow? Um, because it's, you know, literally is from record to release in no time at all. So we have to think about it. And if not, let's step it up. What can we do to make it better? So I think it's changed the game in good ways, but then also obviously made it more difficult because the market's saturated so much. And there's not a lot of marketing per se, you know, because we don't have as many you know, big labels around. So you are responsible for marketing yourself. And we would never say we're marketing pros. No. <laughs> so it's just us, you know, doing whatever we can as often as we can, reaching out, doing my research, like that's how I found you. Um, you know, that kind of thing is just trying to find people who want to share music and who want to listen to the music. I think that's probably the hardest part right now. It's the IMLH show on iTunes and SoundCloud. We've just reached a day and age where I'll be straightforward with you guys. I mean, we've done this off and on for about six years. We've wow. invested our own time, 
money, etc. into it. Not patting myself on the back, but I'm just saying that ultimately from a standpoint of the amount of effort that's gone in versus the reciprocation that we've got out of it. Basically, the amount of work that we put into it is a hundred times to one what the reciprocation is. And we've basically gone to a point where, hey, you know what? We have really good careers. Ultimately, at this point, let's invest as much time as we can um, as far as our spare time is concerned into this and let's really make it something great not for us. I think we've learned to kind of take ourselves out of it where now it's going to be more about the show more like um, featuring artists such as yourselves and we're just kind of the straw that stirs the drink. We don't want to be the focal point of the content we want to basically be a facilitator and not the stars of the show where maybe that's the way that it was uh when we started things way back when um it's just now people don't understand how much you have to promote yourself and what avenues that work best when it comes to promoting independent art. So that kind of leads me to my next question, which is this, what are your guys' thoughts on the commercialization of promotion? Because we've reached basically a day and age where if you listen to terrestrial radio, you have almost as much advertising in one hour of airtime as you do music and content driven by the stations. So how do you guys as independent musicians basically balance everything? What does work best? What works best for you guys in the sense of in this world of social media, self gratification, how do you guys get people to consume your art and not be single serving in the sense that they don't just listen once and disregard it and go on to something else. How do you guys sustain a following and what works best for you guys when it comes to basically maintaining that fan base? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for all your hard work, because I know that you're the role that you play is very tough because we are musicians. So you being that person, like you said, to stir the straw is just as difficult. Um, and you're doing it for a lot of people in a lot of different genres. So I know it's it's a really hard job. And thank you for not giving up on it, because we need we need ambassadors. We need people who believe in us to to still want to talk to us and still want to get people interested and still hear our music. I mean, the fact that you listened is is just as important to us as anyone else listening. You know, if you can reach one person with every ad you do or every post you do, that's enough for me. It's something. It may not be everything, but it's something. So I just wanted to say thank you. And Oh, definitely. And definitely. I really it's really it's it's an honor to be here for us oh. honestly oh you so, guys are are far too kind no we appreciate it as far as as the the promotion part you know i think i think that the, there's a beauty in sirius xm that i mean i i know that it's 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 a pay-to-play sort of thing but it's what like 13 or 15 bucks a month and i have 
unlimited access to anything I want to hear, new music, old music, talk radio. And I love that. I love that you can get that without, you know, that I can buy something like that if I want to and avoid all of those ads that you were saying, you know, to just hear music or just hear whatever I want to hear. I still do think that terrestrial radio has a, a power that is very different than than serious because not everybody wants to pay for it, but they still want options and they still want to be able to hear new music and their old favorites and everything. So I, I make sense to me that they have to, you know, that they obviously have to monetize all of that. I am set at the level to which things are monetized these days because it's like every song has to have an ad. So if you think about it, you have five songs and you probably have three to five ads in between. Then you have five songs, three to five ads in between that are, you know, 30 seconds to a minute long. It just, I think it makes people tune out just like, you know, all of us now with our DVR so we can fast forward through the commercials. <laughs> yep. You know? I mean, I, I think, you know, I just want to get to back to the music. I just want to get back to the show. Um, and it actually probably makes me want to buy that stuff less because it interrupts my flow, <laughs> you know? So I think I think there's something that that's sad about that, but I understand the need to monetize it. But I think it does detract from from the, 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 the feeling that you get by listening to music back to back. If you think about it, like, if, like some of these stations like Pandora, and iHeartRadio and things like that, they allow you like an, an hour uninterrupted. That is so beautiful to have an hour of uninterrupted, shuffled music in whatever genre I want to hear or new music or whatever. That's amazing. But then I know that the ads are going to come. But then I also, what I like about that is then you can watch an ad and then you can have an hour more of music. I'll watch that ad and I'll care about that ad because that one ad gets me another hour of music rather than I have to listen to five ads and then I get three songs and then five. So that's what I'm thinking. I don't, what do you think? Well, I think it's, the whole thing is just about everyone struggling to figure out how to make money with music anymore in the situation that you brought up that no one buys physical product and mostly nobody even buys downloads anymore. It's just <laughs> streaming and, and we're, we're, because of the technology changes and because of all of the, the demand or rather supply much greater than demand out there for all this music, I think um, you know the money isn't coming in where it used to be coming in and I think that that leads to things like, well, we've got to double up the ads, triple up the ads or whatever it is. What I personally hope is that, you know, like any other situation where the supply is so much greater than the demand, that people, you know, the supply is going to start to go down, that, that, that people that, like when I was a kid, it was like, well, be a rock star and you're going to be a millionaire, right. you know. Now it's like, be a rock star um, and then you're going to have to push yourself online forever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I, think, I think people who are less serious and less, uh, have it less in their heart are going to, you know, they're going to start to fade out. There's going to be less money grubbing kind of, you know, um, so not really artists out there and, and more true artists. That's what I would hope. Yeah, I think the shift is happening already, but it's a slow one. Kind of the creams rising to the top when it comes. Yeah, to exactly. Yeah, that's what we're that's what we're hoping, because the saturation, I think, hurts the scene a lot. Um, and it's not to say that people shouldn't make music, but I do think that there's a saturation level that's that was just unreal like you couldn't even imagine this just a few years yeah, ago and when you listen to the radio for you, unless you're listening to top 40 you're hearing the same stuff that's right. been played for so long people are going to get tired of that right. it's, it's going to get incredibly boring and so 
I think we're in a in a dark period for radio and and for you know music that's going to get a little bit darker. I think before the dawn, but I think when it comes out the other side, hopefully, what comes back out is something that's a little bit more organic. And we've reached a day and age where, with commercial radio, it's a situation where if you minimize the ads, ultimately they have to charge more for said commercials and then basically them pricing themselves out of business. Exactly. Exactly. So I think you, as a, as somebody who wants to be on the radio, terrestrial or otherwise, you have to understand that. You have to say, you know, they're a business. They have to make money. I get it. It's just there's got to be some in-between way where it can be a little less, um, I guess, ad heavy, you know, or maybe more music in between the ads or something like that. It just it just feels a little lopsided right now. And I think that's because, as Bruce said, we're going through that dark period, trying to figure out what to do, where we're going. Not only musicians, but like you said, people who who share music, you know, the industry in general, we're all trying to kind of figure out, well, how do we maneuver this new world? I mean, it's been around for a few years now, but it still feels new. And I think everyone's waiting for it to go back to the way it was and it's just not it's it's in a whole new world so everyone that works in that world whether it be uh the iheart media's formerly clear channel or any of those um radio station groups what they've failed to realize is they've basically increased the amount of commercials they've eliminated as much content as they can and they've created this cookie cutter formula but yet want people to pay the same amount in terms of sponsors and everything like that so exactly it's created um yeah the one size fits all corporate america agenda (laughs) um without really getting up on a soapbox but um no i think what they don't understand too is as soon as that commercial goes on i'm out I switch stations and maybe I'll come back, but maybe I won't. So that because they've interrupted my flow. So that's something that they need to consider because they do lose, you know, listeners that way. But then they may gain listeners that way because then other people are leaving other stations and looking. (laughs) So it's kind of it's really it's really tough. It's got to be a really tough industry to maneuver right now for people looking to monetize music and make any sort of money. And we've just reached a day and age where you have commercial breaks on modern rock for the few that are still left in classic rock stations where you've basically got three to four different dispensaries advertising in every commercial break. And it just it's super confusing anymore. It is. I agree. And I and I again, it's that whole thing, like if you're watching a certain show then you expect to see certain kinds of commercials. You know, (laughs) if I'm watching, you know, something at three in the morning, let's say I'm watching some old show at three in the morning, I'm probably gonna see, you know, some ads for a certain, you know, demographic. But when I'm listening to these stations, I'm not hearing any, you know, when I hear the commercials, I'm like, well, that doesn't appeal to me that I'm not that demographic. I don't, I guess I feel like I don't know that they know their demographic anymore for certain stations. It's just, if there's a check to be written, ultimately they're going to, they're going to chase that um, (laughs) at the cost of the demographic. You have a classic rock station airing ads for, uh, I don't know, a water fun park. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or they're like, oh, well, you know, we have this uh, great pop festival coming up. I'm, I don't care. I'm listening to a heavy metal station. I don't care about a pop festival coming up. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm all set. 
but yeah, it just doesn't make sense. I think if it felt like they were, you know, kind of reaching out to me as a listener with what my interests are, I think I would probably be more apt to buy something, but I just feel like it's disjointed. So with you guys, the work that you guys do, um, does it all come out of your guys' house or do you guys have a studio that you do a lot of work into um, or do a lot of work out of? Talk about the process um, with Ascent as a group. Well, the, the great news is that Bruce is our everything, our mixer, our master, our producer, our reporter. Uh, he is he does every possible thing, including being a composer. So I'll let him speak to it. But we do it out of our home. We actually live in a house that we pay way too much for because we didn't want to have to go to a studio. We wanted to be able to be creative anytime we wanted, 24 hours a day. So and that means we also want to be able to play music whenever we want. Well, not after 10 p.m. because we don't <laughs> want anyone police on us. So be able to play music and so we live in a house that is way too big for what we need but it gives us that distance from neighbors and gives us a studio yeah we we record everything here and and uh, multi-track it as christina said you know i play all the instruments on the recording so but the drum kit currently it's an electronic drum kit uh, makes things so a little bit easier rolling v yeah, yeah, they're rolling the drums, PD50, and it's a great sounding drum kit. Um, so that's the foundation of a lot of the songs. And it and doesn't disturb the neighbors. It does, that it too. doesn't. <laughs> um, you know, so I can, you know, I can layer up guitars. Um, I can create the arrangements. I have to think a lot of when we record Ascent songs about how I'm going to record the song because we play it live. It has to be something I can do with that looping technique, you know, so that informs a lot of the recording, but we make it, we make it ourselves. We, um, you know, I mix the song down and then we probably do like 10, 12 versions of it. Mm -hmm. So we're both, I play it for her and she's like, what the hell is that? No. That, yeah. that sounds like mud, you know, but I yeah. can't tell because I've just heard the song 16,000 times, you know? So we go back and forth like that until we get it right. We play it for some friends. I'll and email it. To listen people. to it, meet different mediums, like yeah. in our cars and <laughs> our house and other people's cars, you know, then we'll listen to it on crappy computer speakers, you know, just so we can see through a phone. Yeah, through a phone. How does it sound to all those different mediums? So before we ever release it, we have absolutely beat the shit out of that song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and have our friends kick it around and and you know share their thoughts with us and listen to it as much as possible. And then we finally are comfortable releases. So we release it. We are very serious because it is a hundred thousand percent our creation. There's no other person that's involved. It's just the two of us going, okay, we think we got this right. <laughs> <laughs> you guys ultimately want to hear how it translates in different mediums. So that way you yep. guys know that it's going to maintain no matter the circumstance uh, with right. whomever is uh, basically consuming your work. We yeah. want it to be high quality. We want you to be able to hear everything. It may not be the best sound if you're listening through your phone, but we still want it to sound good. We want you to hear everything. Make sure the frequencies are there, you know, and that it's equalized correctly. So yeah, we're we're pretty hard on our ourselves because we won't release anything that we don't think is ready. And with the amount of time that you guys take um, when it comes to recording and creating your art, um, when it comes to actually performing live, um, what goes into choosing venues? How do you guys go? Go about um, picking gigs and kind of picking and choosing when and where you guys want to play. Well, honestly, if I'm being honest, and I'm always honest, um, I, I think we've been we have the kind of mentalities. We'll play wherever you let us play. 
We, um, we don't discriminate. We are always very humbled by the opportunity to play anywhere um, and that anyone would listen to our music and say, yeah, I want you to play live is a huge honor. So we look at it that way. Um, I think the only thing that, that we run into that we're learning the hard way by being that open is that some venues just aren't for us because let's say they're maybe considered a punk bar or uh, just a metal bar. Well, we may or may not go over well in that venue and we have to be comfortable with the fact that we may just see crickets. You know, people are, you know, hear crickets, people are just looking at us like, what is that? Um, but we're willing to take those chances um, in hopes that we can reach again one person you know, 20 people. But if we can reach one person, we have one person who says, hey, I really liked that. That's a successful gig for us. Or somebody who comes up and, and just, you know, they're agape at how crazy what Bruce does is, you know, whatever it is, the fact that we made some sort of impact is important to us. But we are, I would say we're not, we're not, uh, it's not something that we don't care about, but we are also very flattered by anybody who wants us to play at their venue. And so we, with great gratitude, play um, and do our thing and hope for the best. I think we think more about who the other bands are on the bill, too. Yeah. We, we want to play with bands that are compatible in the sense that if someone's listening to that band and we come on, their audience isn't out the door. You right, know? band sharing. We, we want to capture that. Uh, we want to we want to be we want to create a night of entertainment that makes sense. You know, we don't want to be like that you know, that radio station with the wrong ads, you know, right. um, a lot of, there's a lot of cynicism, I think that exists out there that, you know, people putting together promoters, putting together these shows and that thought isn't there about putting the, the bands together. We generally say no to those unless it, the venue is amazing. So oh, we really want to play there, but right. you know, we mostly want the, the, the night to make sense. Uh, we want to, we want to play for people that want to hear us. Right. And, and as a result, Christina's talking about the, like the categorization thing, you know, punk or metal or indie right. or, or goth or, you know, we, <laughs> we'll do any of it. If it, oh, it's a punk night. Okay, sure. We're, we're, we're punk we're, tonight. We're, That's you know, cool. if you want to think of us as punk, we're punk. If you yeah. think of us as metal, we're, we're metal. metal. You want to think of us as goth, we're goth. We're goth. We don't, we don't categorize ourselves. Nope. We're happy to be categorized by others. We don't care because we're going to do the same thing that we do. Uh, we're consistent. We care about what we do. People need to put a label on something to, to digest it sometimes. Put any label you want on us and, yeah. uh, you know, we'll, we'll play, we'll show up and hopefully we'll stretch your, your perception a little bit by what we actually end up doing. Absolutely. Rate and review us on iTunes. Search Indie Music Lives Here.
and kept on digging the IMLH show from Indie Music Lives Here this six song release that you guys have out uh, called Bleed Like Us um, speak to us about the process behind um, this release what you guys were going for with the record so for people hearing a couple of tracks off the release over the course of this conversation I mean how would you guys really break down this entire project was there a concept behind it or speak to us um about what you guys were looking for and how you guys were able to basically select these six songs to know that this was the project and kind of pick and choose between these six and maybe songs that were left out of the project i think the interesting thing about how 
albums come about, at least for us, is it's usually the first song that is setting the tone, I think, for what things, you know, eventually become. So that usually sets the tone for the kind of songs that will typically follow. But I do really think we allow the music to lead us more than anything. So we, when we set out and we're writing songs, we're not really thinking about the album. We're not, you know, sadly, we're not like at the Pink Floyd level. Where we're like, oh, we're going to do a dark side of the moon. We're going to do a whole theme. But, you know, Bleed Like Us is kind of our theme because some of the songs that we have written, both of us, I think on both sides, have been very very sad and kind of talk about the challenge of kind of the human spirit and life and the experience and the sorrow behind it. So I think the first track kind of set that tone um, when we wrote it and then it's just kind of continues to evolve with each new song. Um, and most of the songs seem to really have not compatible themes, but I guess at least uh, complementary themes. Um, what would you yeah, say? And, and I think that, yeah, definitely. And I think the sound, we, we want it to sound like what we sound like now, you know, we don't want to have that moment of, oh, I just saw you guys live and I bought your CD. You know, what the hell is that? Or I listened to you uh, online and that's that's not what I expected. We wanted to really represent who we are as a band now, what we sound like um, and, and have all those elements of what we do live and not have a lot of stuff that we cannot reproduce live. Right. Uh, a little bit. There's some of it because, we, you know, we, I, I love a big arrangement. But um, I think musically that's what we're going for. We're going for something that's, that sounds a little bit dark, a little bit mysterious. Um, the lyrics are, I think there's lyrics about, you know, <laughs> there's sort of artificial intelligence and robots. and uh, But there's also, yeah. you know, love and pain and, and disillusionment and domestic, and violence. domestic violence there's like yeah. murder there's all kinds <laughs> of weird themes going on it's just what we see or what we hear or what other people are going through i mean it's but it is this that 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 bleed like us thing like you know it's that there's all this are we all bleed in whatever different ways they are so it's kind of like that's what it's kind of bringing together is all of these different ways that we all kind of suffer in different yeah. ways the thing I like about this project, guys, all six songs um, and from speaking with you guys over the last hour, you guys have really embraced your individuality, not only as people, but also um, with the music that you guys make under the name Ascent. And uh, super cool to take a little bit of time out of your guys' day to uh, be on with us. Again, the record called Bleed Like Us. Check out their website. It is ascent.rocks, A-S-C-E-N-T dot rocks. Links to social media um, available there. And check them out the night of June 1st at Knuckleheads in San Clemente. You can also check out upcoming dates on their website as well. Thank you guys so much. Thank uh, you. Again, for taking some time out to really introduce yourselves to our audience. And um, yeah, as you guys basically move forward and keep making music, keep us in mind and anything we can do to help you guys out, uh, just let us know and uh, we'll definitely come see you guys. Um, you guys are just an hour or so away from us, so we'll definitely come check you guys out um, very, awesome. very soon. We hope to come back soon and often. We've got Christina and Bruce Baldwin on the line with us. It is Ascent. Bleed Like Us, available now. Another episode of the IMLH Show. Thank you for hanging out with us at IMLHLife.com and on the streaming services. The IMLH Show from Indie Music lives here on iTunes and SoundCloud.